the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Run your law firm the right way. This is the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimmy? Isn't that fun how we can just start a show like out of thin air and just like we go from talking like regular people into having an actual podcast? It is. It's uh, it's uh, it's like we've done it before, too. No, I, I think it's I don't know. I think it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun. It's really interesting, like when it gets edited out. And I always whenever I'm listening to podcasts, I'll hear like an abrupt stop to a conversation and then it it begins on another topic or something. I wonder like I wonder what they cut out there. So it's yeah. It, it is interesting. So we were talking with some friends recently, maybe yesterday, about their law firms and about intake and their numbers. And I thought that continuing our conversation about some of the mistakes that we see people make, I thought we could talk about the mistakes that we see with intake and the mistakes that we see with people not knowing their numbers. I think that's a great one. I think that's a good one that you just picked too. That's because we just had that conversation. So what do you think are the, are the key numbers people need to, to know? Well, and it's great because the two things do tie in together, your intake process and your numbers. And I think we should get to the numbers, but I think maybe we might want to talk a little bit about intake first. Now, I don't know how much of my series with Gary Falkowitz you listen to, but it's certainly the kind of things that we talk about a lot. In fact, we just talked about it. Uh, last Saturday about, you know, the lawyers being involved too much. But I think with intake, the main problem that I'm seeing with the people that we talk to is that it's sort of haphazard. There's not a system to it. There's too much attorney time involved. And it's sort of uh, directionless. And there's not really a sustained system for filtering out good leads from bad leads. Yeah. And it's, I, I, I think the mistake people make is they think oh, it's not that important. I'll, I'll do that when I'm bigger. Um, and in, in, in reality, it's the, the earlier you set these systems up, the better it is for your firm. Cause you can just grow upon them uh, and build and build and build. And then you're, you'll, those numbers will help you accelerate your growth. But we, it, you and I have done it too. We, we didn't do a very good job of tracking our numbers early on either. We should have, uh, and I, and I can only imagine where I would have been if I would have tracked my numbers earlier. I, I remember starting with a spreadsheet and, and the, the spreadsheet became just too burdensome to deal with. And so I, I should have started a long time ago with a CRM and I, I didn't, but, um, there's, there's no better time to begin than now. 
That's right. That's right. Especially as people are thinking about their goals for next year. And, you know, this conversation that we're having is all a precursor to the maximum law minimum time course that we're launching in January. And even I would say some sophisticated law firm owners are still sort of futzing around with the wrong intake system and they're doing the wrong things to try to, to segment out who's a good lead and who's not a good lead. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to call out cause it's not, I'm not, it's not even really a call out, but I'm not going to mention this person's name. Um, that was, that had asked the question yesterday cause um, they were asking you, you know, well, which, what's the right system, Jim, what's the right system. I don't think the it really matters the system when it comes to CRM. It matters a little bit, but not as much as what people think. The, the main thing is just having a system, you know, having a system in place that tracks them because what you really need is, you know, you want to be able to track who they are. So like the type of contact they are, whether it's a lead or whether it's a, a client or an attorney or whatever it is, you know, what they are, who they are and their contact information. If, if you can get a CRM just with that basic information, that's a fantastic start. So don't get bogged down in what's the right one. What's the right one? Because 99% of them, if that you can migrate the data away from them into the right platform once you find it. But the, the most important thing is use one of the free ones. If you don't have one to use right now, if you don't want to pay for one, if you don't have the money to pay for one, just get one of the free systems and, and run with it. You're talking about one of the software systems. Exactly. So yeah. Yeah. Right, to be able yeah. to track that stuff. Yeah. One of the mistakes that we see people making is that they get so latched onto, well, either jumping from one CRM to another or looking for this world-class CRM that does absolutely everything. And that's, that's sort of crazy. And it sort of prevents you from focusing on the things that are really important. And the things that are really important are, you know, who's contacting you. The number one thing is you have to be capturing everybody who contacts you. So if somebody calls your office, you're definitely getting their full name, their, their email address and their cell phone number. Those are must. And then the, the topic that they're calling about, you've got to start recording that right from day one. And then you have to be able to market to those people on a regular basis. They've called you for a question. You're going to trade the answer or the direction that, that they might need to go in in exchange for that cell phone number and that email address. And I don't necessarily like the concept of a funnel, but, and, and the reason I like the concept of the funnel is because it's just so overblown and everybody's talking about fix your funnel or, you know, you got to get more people in your funnel. And I, I generally don't like that, but conceptually, if people could see me now, it, you're really talking about how do we get more people into the top of the funnel and then how do they narrow down? So like you said, there's people that call your office. That's like the basic big group. And you're going to split that group right away into current clients and potential clients. And then when you, you, you call out the current clients, cause they're going to go into a different system. They're going to be dealing with your paralegals and the people handling their case. So, so now we have all the potential leads who've called your office. And then from there, we're going to go to, all the leads who call your office who might have a case. So that's going to take a big chunk of those people out and the funnel's going to narrow. So now we're at people who have people who've called as a lead who have the kind of case that you would like to handle. That's the most important number right there. That's the first most important number. That's where you really want to drill down to. You want to throw out all the stuff that aren't those. So let's say you're getting 20 of those a week. That's pretty good. You're getting 20 of those a week and you're happy with the 20 that you're getting. And then how many of those people actually schedule a consult? So that number is probably going to drop or that are consult worthy. Either your, your leads team is vetting them out 
or they're a little bit weird or the statute of limitations ran or whatever. I'm trying to think of your cases more than mine. So now we're down to the people that we've qualified. So we've gone from cases that we want to qualified leads. And then the next big question is of the qualified leads, how many are we actually signing up? That's the next really big question. And I think most people are full of shit when it comes to that question. I was right. Harlan Schillinger said something in the big group about a year and a half ago, two years ago. And I was like, man, he said about how you have to know your numbers. And I was all defensive, man. I know my numbers. I know my numbers. I know all that. I didn't know my numbers at all. And I think most law firm owners don't. And the two people that we're talking to yesterday don't really know their numbers. And these are the numbers that are most important. And then, and then of course, how does that translate into revenue? And what you're going to, as you grow, you're going to get pushback from your team and you, you got to know that this is coming going into it because they're going to say, well, this isn't even a case. Why do I have to put it into the system? I mean, like, why do I, 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 why do I need this information? Let's just get them off the phone and move on to the next person. And Jim, you know, best as to why that you need to track this information, but so you can market to them later on. I mean, that's a big part of it, but then you, but you can also track those numbers. For example, let's say that we're getting a hundred calls a month on um, I'm going to say 1983 cases, because we've been getting a lot of calls on those and we don't like taking those cases. So we're getting a lot of calls on 1983 cases. We put them into the system and then we we're basically just refer them out to someone. I want to know if we're getting a bunch of calls on that. It, it, it doesn't, I think that they think, Oh, it's, you know, we don't need this information because we're not going to take them on as a, as a client. Does, that's not what matters is if I see that we're getting a hundred calls on 1983 cases and it's eating up our time, we need to then go and look at our videos that we're recording. We need to look at our, our website content to see if that stuff needs to be adjusted. Cause that's a problem. We've, we're getting a lot of 1983 phone calls, which we don't want. And so we're referring them all out and they're not very generally not very good cases. So we're going to call blue shark and say, Hey, let's, let's take down the 1983 content because it's getting us a bunch of these calls that we, we don't want. And they're not good cases. So there are all these other reasons why you will want to track this data, not just because, you know, they might be a client or you can market to them down the road. And you might shoot a video that says, here's why we don't take 1983 cases, right. <laughs> to actively repel the people that you don't want to call and clog up your phone line. But the other thing that might happen is somebody calls up and they have a dog of a 1983 case, but they go into your database and you decide, all right, once a month or once every two weeks or once a week or once every day, I'm going to email my list and tell them different things about what's going on. And then six months later, they're on your list. They're sitting at the dentist's office waiting to see their dentist. They pull up their phone. They go, oh, an email from Tyson. I haven't heard from him in a while. I'll look at that. So Tyson talks about this uh, med mal case that he partnered up with Gary Berger on and they got a $3 million verdict and they're like, Oh, my aunt just died on the operating table. I should call Tyson. That's the reason why that's the whole value of it. I mean, that email list is your most valuable commodity. No one else owns your email list. Only you own your email list and the Facebook algorithm might change. Google ads might go through the roof. But the one place you can compete as a small firm solo person is with your email list. 
Yeah, I, I've always said this. You're way better at doing it th than I am. Let me ask you something. You have good stories of your clients on there a lot, and that's my favorite part of your newsletter. That's, that's the only – I will skim through all the other BS that you've got in there just to read that stuff. I, I'm wondering, do your do your clients, like, want to be on there? Like, are they like, oh, I can't wait to be on Jim's newsletter? Is that something that you ever get from them? Immigration is weird that way, but yeah, we do just because there's so much of a thirst for knowledge in my practice area. Like people aren't sitting around thinking, you know, what's the statute of limitations on a slip and fall on city property. So an article like that isn't going to connect, but you're right. The success stories are people's favorite ones. They love to hear about, you know, us helping a client overcome a problem. Those are their ones that they love to see the client's faces. They love to see the progression. Like when we can tell people we've been helping this guy for 10 years and we've taken him all the way from undocumented to citizenship or something like that. Those are the ones that really resonate with people for sure. The Guild is an insanely productive community of lawyer entrepreneurs with a growth mindset who share their collective genius and hold each other accountable to take their careers and businesses to the next level. But in 2021, we are upping the game. In addition to exclusive access to the group, FaceTime with the two of us, discounted pricing for live events, and front seat exposure to live recording and podcasts and video, we are mapping out for members the exact growth playbook with our new program, Maximum Lawyer in Minimum Time. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships and experience content specifically designed to complement your plan for growth. For a limited time only, the Maximum Lawyer in Minimum Time program will be offered for free to all new Guild members. Join us by going to maxlawguild.com. I want to go back to your main topic. Uh, I'm going to kind of circle back. Sure. Uh, I want to talk about one of the numbers in particular, and that's average fee. And that's, to me, that's the number one number. And I think you probably think it's a different number, but I think that's the number one number. And I just want to get your thoughts on, on tracking the average fee that you, for, for each of your cases. Well, in our course let me make another plug, maximum law, minimum time. We, we sort of look at this as sort of stage two, stage three type stuff, right? I absolutely agree that looking at your average case value is important. I think looking at what your uh, average case value per case type is important because not every dollar is made the same. If you can, if you can spend 20 hours Tyson on a case that's going to bring you a hundred thousand dollar fee or 20 hours on a case that's going to bring you a $10,000 fee, you want to figure out how to get more of those hundred thousand dollars and not and less of those $10,000 cases. So not everything's the same, but I think that that's, that average case value is important. And then when you get more sophisticated, then you're going to try to figure out how to improve your margin. I mean, you're really good at boosting the case value, like because of the conversations you have with your clients and the ongoing relationship and, your, your growing reputation among the defense bar, your lack of fear about going to trial. Those are all things that are going to help you increase that case value. And the reason it's important to know your average case value is because if you know that funnel that I just talked about, if you know how many qualified leads I have to get in order to get X amount of cases, then you're going to be willing to spend more than the next person who doesn't know their numbers. If you, Tyson, if I told you, that you could spend $500 on a lead, you know, Amani and other attorneys that I know would go, holy cow, you're going to spend $500 on a lead. That's insane. But if you knew that you spent $500 on a lead and that brought you in $25,000, that's this is what Dean Jackson talks about the vending machine. If you could put in $500 and take out $25,000, you would stand at that machine and do it as much as you can. 
right? You'd just be shoveling money in there to get the money to come out. And, and I know that sounds fanciful. I know that sounds absolutely crazy, but after 13 years, we're finally there where I know how much I spend gets me how much on the back end. So, so that's when you can really amp up your marketing because you know that it's just putting money into that vending machine. I love it. And I'll, I'm, I'll, the only thing I'm going to add to that is what you touched on. What I like about the, the whole idea of tracking average fee is that you can tweak things to increase the, the case value. And for us, you know, cause we're contingency, cause we're, you know, we're injury, we're an injury firm. We've tweaked little things. And I just checked my numbers cause we had, uh, I was making sure that we were still above that number over the last two years. I think it's probably two and a half years now we've doubled our average fee. And then we doubled our average fee. And we, I mean, we just hit that I, for the, for the last few months, I've been saying we've almost doubled our average fee. We finally hit it where we're, we've doubled our average fee, which is fantastic. Um, and so it's like free money. Yeah. And so it's, it's, we've been able to tweak now, whenever you're doing something like a transactional uh, type of case, and you're doing estate planning. Um, you can also do little things, I think, to tweak it, to add value, to increase the, 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 the value of the case. Um, so maybe you add, or, or even something else you could do is you can do upsells when it comes to like estate planning. Um, and I don't, I don't, I just kind of think of like when you go to a, someone that does an estate plan is they do a wills, trust, things like that. And then I'm assuming that all the, the power of attorneys and all that sort of come with it. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but if not, you can upsell those things. Or if you're someone like Russ Nesevich, where he can then upsell them to his, um, investment company that he, that he works for. Um, so th there's other things that you can do to add value to, to increase how much money they're getting from, from each client. So there, and that's just one example, I think with, um, family law Cordell and Cordell, they've got it down because they've got these things that you have to do as an attorney for the firm. And I understand that some of you say, well, that's, I, I don't, I, I think that that's all BS and they shouldn't be doing that stuff. But what you can never do is look at their file and say they didn't do the things they were supposed to do. And they build, they can, they can build and build and build and build and build and make a bunch of, bunch of money on each client. And I'm not saying you do that just to get money from the clients. I'm just saying there's way, things that you can do that adds value to the case that can also increase value for that, for that client to the firm. And getting back to the other way that you can increase your revenue by knowing your numbers and certainly increasing your average case value is a way, which I think is actually a little harder than what I'm going to talk about right now is that if you think about that funnel again, and you think about all those stages, you know, how many qualified leads do we have? How many consults do we have? And how many new cases that we have? Those are all hinges. Those are all opportunities. So if you can increase the overall number of people coming into your funnel, that's going to boost the, the small, the bottom number. If you can increase the number of qualified leads, it's going to boost the bottom number. So I'm at the point now, where my leads team can tell me almost two weeks ahead, how many cases we're going to have paid and signed up in 14 days. It's, it's almost mind boggling. And it seems like magic. Like Laura Clark said to me, because we have a short week this week and we lowered our goal for the month because it's, you know, the Christmas and then we're closing for that week between Christmas and new year. So we lowered our goal, but we're going to smash through that. But we signed up six cases yesterday, six cases yesterday, and I didn't talk to one of them. I didn't talk to one person of those six. It's really remarkable. And listen to last week's episode. If you want to talk about removing the attorney from the, from the equation, it comes to signing people up with what Jim just said. I want to get to the next one. You ready? You ready? Yeah. For it? We only have nine minutes. So 
this is a shorter topic anyways, but this is, I'm going to call them these terms now from now on, Jim Ding Dings, Jimmy Ding Dings. I don't know why I like Jimmy Ding Ding, but it sounds so funny. I like it. Jimmy Ding Dings. And this is polishing the silver. You want to tell the story about polishing the silver real quick? Sure. So our first son was never lucky enough to go to Montessori. And I think that's why he's sort of struggling. I'm, I'm teasing. I wish he'd gone to Montessori. He's doing great. But the other three went to Montessori. And the cool thing about Montessori is that they sort of take the kids where they are and they let them follow what they're interested in. Right. So, you know, you'll have all these little projects or things around the, the school that they can go work on. Well, my second son, Yusuf moved up to kindergarten when he was four and he was just killing it in kindergarten. But the, the teacher noticed the kindergarten teacher that every now and then she'd find an old Yusuf down with the, the three-year-olds doing sort of this manual stuff. And one of those things was po- literally polishing an old teapot. Right. And so polishing the silver. And so I've explained that or used that metaphor to talk about when lawyers sort of sneak off from kindergarten and go and hang out with the three-year-olds to do the things that they shouldn't be doing. And that the, the reason there, there's lots of reasons why people do that. And certainly it's fine for a, a four, a four-year-old in Montessori to do that. But for lawyers, it's a real trap because it's, it's more comfortable. It's safer. It's um, stuff that, you know, it's not pushing you outside your comfort area. And so you and I've had many conversations about polishing the silver as it relates to me that I will, you know, I'll push this work off onto other people and then I'll take it back. I'll push this work off onto other departments and I'll take it back. it could be going to interviews or it could be talking to leads or it could be anything. And so that, you know, in our course, we're going to talk about the mistakes that lawyers make and, and polishing the silver is certainly one of them. Yeah. And I, I, one of the things that we talk about in the guild is, is making sure that, you know, your process goals and your product goals, because if you know those things, so so the process goals are the things you should be doing every single day or every single week to get you to your product goals. So think of lead lead indicators and lag indicators. So that's just, it's just different speak. That's based on the, the things that Jason Selk teaches. And if you find yourself polishing the silver all you have to do is say, okay, what are my product goals? Let's go back. Let's focus on our product goals and let's do those things. So let, for example, let's say that your goal is to build your, your YouTube, your, your, your um, product goal is to build your YouTube channel and get a bunch of subscribers. Well, then you know what you need to be doing. Your product goal needs to be recording a video a day, right? You need to take the gym hacking challenge and do the, the one video a day. And so that's the one thing you need to do that day. Right. And I, I recommend that you don't try to do more than three things, right? So you have three things on the day uh, to do that day. You knock out one of your product goals, shooting the video, and then you knock, then you focus on the next two things. And then you can go polish the silver after you've done those things. But before you do anything else, you need to do your process goals before you start polishing the silver. And we, we, we go into more detail about that in our course. So I'll do the plug this time, Jimmy, check us out, uh, maximumlawyer.com because we're, we're going to be launching this at the beginning of the year. So maximum lawyer at minimum time. Jimmy, it's time to wrap. You ready? I was born ready, brother. All right. So I want to remind everyone to go to the Facebook group. There's over 4,000 members there sharing great information every single day. I will give you a little tip. If you have a question about something, search, use the search function, because I bet your question's probably been posed and there's lots of comments in there, Um, but feel free to post any question that you have. A lot of great activity going on there. And then if you will take just a few minutes and give us a or not even a few minutes, a few seconds, give us a five-star review on Apple. 
That would be fantastic. Help us spread the love. And then check us out at maxlawguild.com. Jimmy, what's your hack of the week? So I was in Denver for an interview a couple of weeks ago. And whenever I go to Denver, I always visit my favorite bookstore, which is called The Tattered Cover. Oh, it's so great. It's in this old warehouse. I could spend three days in there. And I walked around a couple of different times and I picked up a book on bullet journaling by the guy that invented the bullet journal. I like it a lot. I've started doing the daily bullet journal just to sort of get in the feel for it. But I like that it's just a notebook. You know, I've, I've bought Brendan Burchard's sort of formal journal and parts of it didn't work for me. So I really like this because it's very, very customizable and it's helping me get my tasks done, carrying things over to the next day. And I'm looking forward to sort of building that out and, and working on that. So if there are any lawyers that are using bullet journal, let me know. Cause I'd love to hear how you use it, but I think there's sort of a, a little community about it. And I'm excited about trying it out next year. That daily self accountability is so crucial. It really is. So I'm, I'm, I don't, so I don't think I've seen bullet journal. I know I've, I've, I've had other journals that I've used. That's interesting. That's yeah. Interesting. The, the thing I like about it is that it's very distilled down. Like I use, I, I will write like, paragraphs of stuff when I'm just trying to get thoughts out of my head. But this is all about like, you know, just small little reminders. You can design your page the way you want and there's systems to it. And you can, you can index your journal so that you can go back and find stuff. And it's really about like parking ideas where they belong with someone like me who has all these ideas. It's really helpful to sort of say, well, that that's probably something I can work on a month from now. This is something for this week. And this is something for today. Nice. I like it. Well, it's interesting because my tip of the week is somewhat similar, somewhat similar to uh, this. I sort of live in this weird world where I'm I'm half Apple, half Google, and it's not always the the perfect thing. And you know me, I've always written down my top three and it used to be top five, now it's top three. Thanks for the day. And I've I've switched, I've gone digital finally. I've got away from the handwritten stuff because I'll leave my notebook somewhere and I won't remember to, to grab it or whatever. So I've, I've got everything on my phone now. And I didn't know, I didn't realize how good the Google task app was. Great. Really, really good. And what my favorite part about it is, is that whenever I'm in my email, which I'm happy to get, be in now because of Natasha, she has made sure that I'm on top of my email now is there's a little window that kicks out for a task. And I can just, if, if I need to, put something and I can put it on my list and put it on down the road, right? I don't need to do it right away. It doesn't go to my top three, but I can just throw it on there really quick and then I can schedule those out and then they show up on my calendar. So it's perfect. It is fantastic. And so I really recommend if you're not using the Google tasks app and it works great with, with G suite, I highly recommend it. Really good. Yeah, it's great. Um, Lauren's been using that for the last six months or so. And that's where she parks the emails that I actually need to see. She'll empty out my email, anything that's actionable by Jim, she just drags into that task. And then I spend like five minutes looking at email instead of half an hour. Yeah. I love it. And we, so we tried that w- approach with the tasks and I, it just didn't work for me. Um, and I didn't even realize that was a part of the tasks system. I just thought it was part of the email system. So it was just, yeah, I learned a lot about it, but all right, man. Well, uh, if I don't talk to you, have a Merry Christmas. All right, brother, you too. And, uh, I'll see you soon. All right. See you, buddy. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your hosts and to access more content, Go to MaximumLawyer.com Have a great week and catch you next time.